Hi, it's Father Rick, and I want to welcome you to St. Michael's Episcopal Church. I'm really glad you found us. Please know that we accept you wherever you are on your spiritual journey, and we trust that God will take you where you need to be, right in God's timing. We're just glad that you're here with us, and we hope you enjoy today's sermon. God bless. Father, you are here, we are here. May we be conscious of your presence together. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, everyone. So it's Advent in August. According to the Gospel passage this morning, it is Advent in August. You know, we don't talk much about Advent outside of the month of December. Maybe we do a little bit on Christ the King Sunday, which is well, the weekend before Advent. But that's about it. And I'm not referring to Jesus being born as a baby in the city of Bethlehem to a Jewish girl named Mary. I'm not talking about the first Advent. I'm referring to the second Advent or the second arrival. Jesus' return or his second coming. However, we do pray it. Like every single Sunday, we pray it in our Nicene Creed and in Holy Communion. In our creed, we say that we believe something. We say we believe Jesus will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We say that. We're going to say it today. If you show up for a 745 service, if you wake up that early to show up to church and we do communion, you would say that you're looking for his coming again with power and great glory. You're here today. So you know what you're going to say when we do communion? You're going to say, Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. We say it. We actually say it a lot. But how has it shaped you? How has it shaped your thinking? The real question is, is how influential, how impactful is Jesus' second coming on your everyday life? Why does it even matter? How does this belief, this idea, this topic, this truth actually inform your daily, everyday life? The way you think, the way you act, the way you speak, the way you make decisions, the way you plan or spend or invest your money, your time, your energy the way you relate to God, the way you relate to yourself, the way you relate to others. You know, there are Christian circles where the second coming of Christ is heavily emphasized. They usually have a particular understanding of the sequence of events regarding how this all goes down. Okay, Number one, Jesus arrives in the clouds. Number two, he raptures or sucks up Christians, or at least the ones that are worth their salt, and takes them to heaven. And then he leaves behind all non-believers and unpiloted passenger planes plummeting towards the earth, which then kicks off everything you kind of read in the book of Revelation. End days, apocalypse, end times, end of the world type stuff. Well, that's according to a particular way of reading that book and interpreting it and understanding it. I'm not mocking these Christian camps. I'm not. 
because I was heavily involved in them. I read books that talked about this stuff. I bought CD teaching series that talked about this stuff. I watched TVN shows on a weekly basis. And if I didn't want to miss the show, I TiVo'd it. Who remembers TiVo? I went to three to four day conferences that had guest speakers talk only about the second coming of Christ. I remember being at red lights on my morning commute, looking through my windshield into the clouds and wondering, is Jesus coming back today? Because if so, I wouldn't have to go to work. I'm not kidding. Amen. Amen to that. He hasn't shown up yet. Still waiting. And I've since kind of moved out of these Christian circles. And that's just merely due to my personal change in understanding what the scriptures teach about the second coming and the end of days and all that kind of stuff. In my current Christian circle here today, conversations with everyday Episcopalians revolves more around going to heaven when I die. And if you think about it, there's no difference. So we don't need to poke fun at one another. It's the same thing. Whether Jesus is going to suck me up out of my Honda Accord on the way to work, or I'm going to heaven when I die, the focus is still on the same thing. You know what that is? Me. The focus is on me. My fulfillment, my satisfaction, my happiness, and my release from the pain and difficulty of life. It's about me leaving earth and going to heaven. But did you know that heaven is not the final destination? Are you aware of that? Have you ever thought about that? As a matter of fact, a little Bible aside, the Bible actually doesn't use the language, go to heaven when you die. It uses the language to go be with Jesus. See, heaven is not heaven without Jesus. If you're not interested in Jesus, then you probably won't be interested in going to heaven. It's Jesus that makes heaven what it is. It's God that makes the place what it is. But that's not the final destination. A disembodied existence in some other realm is not the end. That's when in the Nicene Creed, when we say today, we do not say we look to go to heaven when we die. Amen. We don't actually say that. We say we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. As N.T. Wright, he's a very, very popular New Testament scholar. He's a bishop in the Church of England. Reminded everybody by saying there is such a thing as life after life after death. The end of the book of Revelation, if you read it, doesn't have everyone going up to heaven leaving earth to go to heaven, it's the opposite. Heaven comes down to earth. It has heaven and earth being fully united, reunited as it once was in the beginning in the Garden of Eden. God comes to make his home here to fully restore and heal all that has been lost and broken in our world to dry every tear and comfort every sorrow, to make all things that were wrong to right, to establish his kingdom, his rule, his governance, his way of doing things, which is the way of love.
but to its completion, to its fullest, and all this through his darling son, Jesus, the King of glory. That's why in the Lord's Prayer, or the Our Father, we say your kingdom come, your will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. What are we saying? We're saying, Father, bring heaven to earth. Bring it now, and may it come fully when your Son arrives. That's what we're praying for. And this is not just so we have a good time. This is not just for ourselves. This is about everyone. The second coming of Christ is meant to impact our lives so that we live less for ourselves and more for God and more for others, the people that God cares about. You see, the invitation is to live our lives both as individuals and as communities as servants that embody and imitate the one they serve. This coming master Jesus speaks about in the parable this morning, whose slaves are to prepare and watch for his return, his advent, his arrival. And when the master returns, he does something that no other master does. He puts on the garb of a servant and sits his slaves at a table and serves them and feeds them and cares for them. You see, at the Last Supper, when a debate arose among his disciples who hung out with Jesus for like three and a half years and totally missed the point, we're arguing about which one of them was the greatest, which one of them was going to be the leader of the pack. Jesus says, the greatest among you must be like the youngest, must be like the least. The leader among you must be the one who serves. For I am among you as one who serves. The servant is to live a life with the knowledge that this is not all that there is. That the state of the world as it is now won't always be. There is something coming. There's someone coming. Heaven and earth will be together again one day when the Master returns. So while Jesus walked the shores of Galilee, heaven and earth were fully united in Him. When you came in contact with the person and the physical presence of Jesus, you came in contact with heaven itself. That's why He referred to His body in the Gospel of John as the temple where heaven and earth met. Now, us. It's you and me. It's the church, the family of God, the temple of the Holy Spirit, the body of Christ. We are Jesus's physical loving presence on the earth today. It is through the church that the world is to get a foretaste of what is to come to experience heaven on earth now. This is why we do what we do. This is why we do Everything that Father Rick enumerated last week in his sermon regarding being rich toward God. This is why we feed hungry bellies, both adults and children. This is why we support organizations with our money, with our time, with our energy that help women and children escape domestic violence or help women who were involved in the sex trafficking trade that rescue out of them out of that so they can take their lives back and be healed and restored to help people who have been disenfranchised and homeless get their lives back. This is why we serve in a million capacities at St. Michael's, whether you sing in the choir or you're making floral arrangements or you're preparing the space for worship 
or you're smiling at someone at the door, or you're folding bulletins, or you're working the AV equipment, or somebody, whoever pushed the button on the coffee, teaching children and teenagers about Jesus. This is why we engage in our spiritual formation and our faith development to grow, both to learn about the things of God and to learn how to foster and nurture a growing and deepening intimate relationship with Jesus so that it's not just information about someone. We learn how to know him, how to know God. This is why we look into our hearts to discover our wounds, our fears, our failings, our losses, our brokenness, our guilt, our shame, all so that we can hand them to Jesus so he can heal them and restore us back to wholeness. This is why we seek to forgive those who have wronged us so that they might experience release. This is why we seek to listen to those people that walk around feeling unheard and unloved. This is why we seek to be instruments of peace and unity in a world so divided. This is why we strive for justice and to change systemic structures of oppression. This is why we visit the prisoner in prison to tell him that he is loved, he is forgiven, and God cares for them. This is why we pay attention to the people the world has forgotten. This is why we make sacrifices, setting aside our personal agendas and our own personal programs for happiness, for something, someone greater than us. For Jesus. This is why we make decisions that some people might think are stupid and crazy and reckless. We might even think they're crazy as well. But we'd say yes to them because someone asked something of us. Jesus asked something of us, and so we say yes. All of this, not only to experience ourselves, but to provide a taste of the world to come, when, however it looks, maybe Jesus is still rocking the tunic. It's been 2,000 years, our time. Maybe he changed his style. Maybe he shows up in a pair of slacks. I don't know. It's okay if Jesus wants to wear pants. He doesn't have to always wear a robe. Maybe style does change in the heavenly realm. I hope it does, for his sake. Wear some pants, man. Maybe he shows up with a pair of pants on to establish his kingdom and unite heaven and earth fully once again. For the world he bled and died for, for the world he loves and still loves and still serves today, so that it might be healed and restored and fully reconciled back to God and everyone in it. This way of living is a lot more interesting than living a life of self-fulfillment and satisfaction and security that's focused just on me. By comparison, that life, and it's a life that I live, and I still struggle going back to it every single day. That's a boring life. Living a life for something greater than myself. Living a life with the opportunity to infuse purpose and meaning in nearly everything I do, even the most ordinary and mundane, like washing the dishes. That's a life. We were meant to live for. We were created for a life not waiting for Jesus to suck me up into heaven out of my car. 
not a life just waiting to die to go to heaven, but a life of service bringing heaven to earth while we live. That is the Christian life. And I think every single day when we wake up, we might want to ask ourselves if that day, that's the life we want to live. Amen. I invite you in a moment of silence. Thanks for listening. If you liked today's message, please subscribe to our podcast and be sure to tell your friends. You may also check us out on YouTube at youtube.com backslash St. Michael's Orlando. Until next time, remember, God loves you with a love you did not earn, and therefore, you can never lose.